this recording. We're going in five, four, three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Q&A, which is something that we do weekly. These questions are submitted on Safe House, which is my esoteric school. When you're working with me at my school, you sign up, you're committing to doing it for a year because that's what it takes to get real results. But if you're committing to me for a year, I'm committing to you for a year and you literally sign up for my school, you text me, we get you set up with a workshop and then we meet up every single Friday just like this and I answer all of your questions. So people love to hear these replays because you know one of the greatest gifts that I have as a teacher is being able to just speak to anything. I crossed over into the mesoteric teachings in 2021, and then it took me quite some time to, to find my feet with that, but basically the answer is always here. So I can speak to any topic at any time of the day, and these Q&As are always a lot of fun. So if you wanna become a student, you can always do that at mommyonami.com forward slash safe house. You sign up, you text me, and we get you going. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to say to everybody is like, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here and studying. You wouldn't actually even be exposed to me or any of these teachings if it wasn't due to something you developed, which in the fourth way is called a magnetic center. So a magnetic center is a center of, it's literally like a magnet inside of you that attracts higher teachers to you. And you only develop this magnet when you are asking what they call like quantum questions. So asking questions like, is this it? Like everything, somebody that is not humble enough to go into the second level teachings is saying, this is it. This is it. I know. I know what's going on. We're all gods. Time isn't real. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. ego, 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 ego. Somebody that's humble and ready to initiate a higher quest into higher teachings is asking questions like, is there more than this? Or what does it mean to really surrender? Or a real rite of passage one is like, if God knows everything and sees everything, like how is God possibly cool with the, the terror that's happening here or there? So these are all the type of questions, these I don't know questions that start to develop a magnet inside of you, which draws higher teachers to you. And humility is the prerequisite. So humility is is accepting that there are people out there who know things that you don't that that can teach you and that's actually becoming more and more of a rare commodity nowadays when there is so much available on the internet not everything on the internet is true you know as people sometimes only learn when they when they have that very inconvenient side effect of too much information which is called schizophrenia or you know psychosis but schizophrenia is actually a split mind the split between thinking personality perception and memory and that's a really common side effect of taking in too much information and, and not putting any out but the reason why you're exposed to these teachings is uh, at all is because of your own humility and your willingness to do the work and not trying to be like done or there yet, but really just what they say in the Bible, like hunger and thirst after righteousness, like wanting so bad to have these teachings. It's because of your hard work. Oh, hey, honey, I've got, I accidentally went live with somebody on here. Well, I actually don't know how to, <laughs> I'm on TikTok as well, but I'm trying to, do you have a question, honey? 
All right, cool. I don't know how to take you off of this one. I don't know how to get this filter off of my face. I don't know how this is happening, but you're more than welcome to hang out uh, while I do this Q&A, but just excuse yourself whenever you're ready to go. You're very beautiful. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> you're welcome take this filter off my face somebody put a filter on my tiktok face and i don't even like guys like how do i make this how do i make this not me <laughs> i don't know what's going on here oh wait here i can show you guys like this i don't know what's going on here or how to make my face not look like this but if anyone can can fix my face there we go all right <laughs> Whoo! jeez there we go that's who i am i can't stand a filter <laughs> so so good for you for getting yourself in a position to be able to get this work now here's the thing about this work the work can be given but it's up to you to receive it so for example if I'm giving you CPR and you're not responding to it then the gift is being given but not received if the gift of if the gift of breath is being given to you and you're not receiving it, then you die. So I'm here to be the signpost and to give the information, but it's to you to receive it, to swallow it and absorb it and let it start to work its magic on you. So something that I always try to do pretty early on in, in any of our calls and lectures, sometimes I do this on camera, sometimes I don't, but just saying a prayer that this lands on fertile ground. Somebody had reached out to me recently and was wondering if they talk about magic in the Bible. And the thing is, is that there's so many esoteric teachings, esoteric being the highest level of teachings, mesoteric being the middle and exoteric being the outermost. In ancient texts like the Tao Te Ching and the Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita in the Bible, Bible, in the Torah, in all of these different, what's the one from, uh, from Islam in the, what's it called now? Why can't I remember this? Why can't I remember what the, what the one is called for, for Islam? What's it called? Oh, the Quran. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Where's my friend Twitchy, which <laughs> she would get me right on this within two minutes. But in all of these ancient sacred teachings, there are hidden teachings like in plain sight. And so that's why Jesus when says like, ye who have ears to hear, let them hear. It means that if you are trained, if you know what to listen for, that you will find it. But if you don't know what, you'll just be like, oh, these parables, these random stories. And so there's three levels of spiritual teaching. And the first one is the exoteric, which is all about good, bad, right, wrong. And these are communicated in story. So if we use the Bible, for example, there's a lot of stories about good, bad, right, wrong, fighting each other, etc etc. Stories and, and everybody that begins their teaching journey will begin their teaching journey by telling their story. Now your story works for people and there's no way of cutting this line. So don't feel bad about it. If you're there, you will ascend out of this naturally when you hit these certain frustration milestones that I'll describe here. But everybody starts with telling their story. And the sharing of a story is an exoteric teaching. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. This is how we get, this is how we beat the bad guys, et cetera, et cetera. It's the exoteric. Now, the second level of teaching is the mesoteric. Now, the mesoteric is the first objective teaching. And objective means that it works for everybody. Now, when you're sharing your story, it works for people like you. They get the impact. So Christians all get the, oh, from some of these stories. They say, oh my God, Moses, the first person to create laws in the Bible. That was so hard for him. I'm Anglo. I have Judeo-Christian conditioning. I resonate. But 
it only really works for people that are similar to you. So when as a teacher, you're sharing your story and you're getting started on that path, you'll find out after like four or five years on this path that all of your followers are like very similar to you. So maybe they're all your same gender or maybe they're all your same race or your same age range or all, you know, single moms or whatever. But you'll find out that the people that are really similar to you resonate heavy and get a really good result and that the people that aren't similar to you just don't get a result at all. And you're like, God, like what is with this person? You know, like why does my story not work on them? And if you can not descend into to ego and be like, well, they're unspiritual and I'm so right. And if the world was just filled with more people like me, it would be a much better place for all of us. <laughs> ego, ego, you know what I mean? Um, if you cannot descend into ego when being met with all these people that are saying, look, I'm, I'm just not getting a result here. I see that you have the sauce, but it's not working for me. If you, if you can absorb that and be like, all I want to do is ease the collective suffering of humanity. All I want to do is help people awaken. I don't think that I'm the most enlightened person on the planet and then everyone should be more like me. I just want them to be more like them. That's when you start really hungering and thirsting for higher teachings. And that's how you start to initiate into the second level, which is the mesoteric. Now, in order to be initiated, you have to be initiated by a living teacher. And the reason why you have to be initiated by a living teacher is because they have to work as a bridge for you for a while translating higher teachings which are told in myth and parable so higher teachings the mesoteric teachings are told in myth and parable so there is myth in the religious texts there's story in the religious texts but there's myth in the religious religious texts and the myth is all similar like for example the story of like jesus dying and coming back to life that's like osiris and isis so the myths work for everybody, all religions, all walks of life. These stories are also told in parables. So we all know that there's parables in the Bible. Now, people who don't have ears to hear will hear the parables and be like, Jesus told this like story about 12 wise virgin virgins and 12 foolish virgins and like you know, isn't that cool? Like, don't be a stupid virgin. <laughs> and it's like, that's not what, it means. But if you have the ears to hear it, you can unpack any of these parables and you'll find a truth which transcends all walks of life, all people forever. So in order to be initiated, you need to find a teacher that's living because they basically have to take these myths and parables and open them up for you with story in contemporary language. So you have to hear it in a way that's relevant to where you are right now. And basically their job, and this is what I do, is you're constantly reaching for a teaching off that high shelf that would be kind of clunky and difficult to understand. For example, one of the parables of Jesus. And we stretch it out and we expand it and we say, and this is what these things mean. Water in the Bible is always talking about truth. Bread in the Bible is always talking about teachings. The right hand signifies this, the left hand signifies this. And we stretch and stretch and stretch it out. And I actually have some of these on Greek mythology on my tick on my uh YouTube, if you want to check it out, there's a nice, really long one about Eros and Psyche, which is really good. There's one about Narcissus and Echo. There's one about Shiva and Parvati. So if you want to kind of experience, if, you, if you're willing to sit down and be taught, you, um, you'll probably really enjoy some of those lessons that I have on my YouTube. 
but that's, you can't, you need someone to do this for you. So I was initiated into these teachings in 2019. It cost me $15,000, which at the time, my coaching bill was as much as all of my other expenses and I could barely afford it. But I was so hungry and thirsty for these teachings that I was like, I have to, I have to have this. I have to have this. There's no way around it. The same coach costs I think 50 or 100K now for like the same service. And my whole thing is like, I'm here for the working class. Like I, I'm i not here to make a great CEO an even greater CEO all of the time. I do that for a select group of people that can afford it. But what I'm really here to do, I'm really here to help the servers, to help the creatives, to help the Uber drivers, to help the single moms, to help the hairdressers, to help all of the people that are wanting to leave wage work behind and make make money off of their spiritual gifts. And everybody that I work with is usually just tapping into this in some way, but they haven't been able to really, really make their spiritual and creative gifts profitable. So when you see in my bio, it says, I help teachers get the recognition that they deserve. I really do this. I don't only help you graduate into a higher level of teachings, but you can't get any higher level of teachings until you're at a certain financial level, which is called in magic, the good householder, which means that you need to be able to easily support yourself as well, because you can't actually care about other people until you are easily able to support yourself and your household. So I always teach people the faith and the works together because there's this real immaturity when it comes to to spiritual workers where they're like, I'm super, I want to help humanity. I want to do whatever it takes. I want people to heal. I want people to grow. As long as all I have to do is study the spiritual side of it. I shouldn't have to study business. I should there's nothing to learn from corporate structure. There's nothing good about making money like and it's all just Delulu machine and so you have to at some point recognize that like people don't value what they don't pay for and when you don't assign a price to your spiritual gifts you don't fucking value it so if you don't value the gifts that spirit gave you then you're never going to be paid for it you're never going to get to the level of good householder and you're never going to have access to higher teachings because you don't actually care about humanity the way that you say that you do and it takes a lot to, to hear this is one thing, but to actually understand it is much different. So if you're like, oh, I don't want to study business, you have to. With me, you have to. But with me, I'll make it fun because we're never just studying business and we're never just studying spirituality. We're always getting into the world of faith and then we're directly bringing it into the world of works. It's like, and now go out and do something with it. We are a group of people that are doing things with it. So a rising tide lifts all boats. That's what I do. That's who I am. The third level of spiritual teachings is the esoteric. And the esoteric, I'm not there. I'm not there. I can see peaks of it, but I'm not there. Hopefully by the time I'm like 50, 60, Sadhguru's age, like maybe I'll get there. I know that it's, it is what I'm giving my undivided attention. That's why you want to get to the level of good householder because then you get to focus on just spiritual work full time. And it's awesome. Imagine how good you could be at this if you were paid to do it. Imagine how good you could be at your spiritual practice if you were paid to do it. Like literally, how far could you advance? How many people could you serve? What level could you be at if you were paid to just focus on spirituality all day, every day, forever? It's fucking sick. And the Bible, he says, one thing, have, it's in, it's in, uh, 
Who said this? Did David say this or did Solomon? It was either David or Solomon, but Solomon was a big magician, big magician, cool guy, fucking really cool guy, actually. Um, but it was in, you know, it's either in Psalms or Proverbs or Song of Solomon. It's one of those people. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. So there's only one thing that I want from my relationship with God. And that's what I'm going to look for for my whole life long. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days in my life. All I want for my life is to be able to live in God's world every single day. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. To be able to see the beauty of God in all things and ask God questions. This is all that he wanted. And that's very like on brand for my life. That's all I want is to be able to live in God's temple 100% of the time and ask God questions and get answers. And this is exactly what we do at my school. This is exactly it. To be able to ask God a question and get an answer involves having a certain level of awakening because you can ask your intuition questions and you get an answer, but you get like five answers and then you get follow-up questions. That's not objective. That's you. That's still you like tooling around in the mind. When you have, when you're awakened, you have objective reason and impartiality, which means that, and, and these are, are literal terms and milestones that you're working to get to. Objective reason means that that whatever it is that you want to know, you can ask it a question, you get an answer, no follow-up question. No follow-up question. It's like, that's it. The end. Kaput. And sometimes you like the answer and sometimes you don't, but you'll always get that answer right away. And then impartiality means that you see with clarity everything that occurs. And when this happens, ultimately you lose your preferences. So you're, you know, he was like, whatever, whatever happens to me, I don't mind. I fucking forgot to tell you guys, I bought a house this morning and we just finished Erotic Wealth. Yeah, we just finished Erotic Wealth, which is my workshop on sex, magic, and wealth creation. This was a big thing. It was a big thing. Yeah, true. We just, thanks. Uh, yeah, this was a big thing. We were working really hard at it for a long time. It was like, I hope that we get an epic house right on camera because everyone's watching us go through this sex magic process and all of this momentum and everything that you guys are seeing like on my social media, like big influx of followers, a lot more visibility. All of this is a result of erotic wealth, like literally all of it, literally all of it. Because And how I know is because of the timing in which it was received. So it's like we were doing all of this work and then it's like, okay, now we just finished lesson eight yesterday. Lesson nine is the gift wave. So right this literal second that we finished lesson eight, it's like 15,000 new followers on Instagram overnight, 9,000 new members on my app, over a thousand book downloads every single day, house appears, make an offer, money's there, buy it within 24 hours. Like this is literally all because of erotic wealth. And that's what I'm so stoked about. That's what I'm so stoked about because when it's a result of something that's been laid down formulaically, like on an Enneagram where it's like, just follow these steps and you can do even greater things. It's fucking sick. So I'm so happy that we have this all on camera because the people that do erotic well see us go from taking this into a, as a vision and putting it on the vision board and then going through the absolute ringer doing all of this work on the front and the back end learning how to work together building a totally new business making something that's built to last and then it's like right when we finished our steps it's like bam bam so fucking sick and I'm happy that uh I'm so happy that we get to share all of this with you. Okay, so it's time for us to go into Q&A. 
And let me just, okay, great. So not a lot here, but we're gonna have a lot for autoerotic. And so where, oh, I'm on my husband's phone. Guys, we have two phones going right now. We have laptop going with the recording. And if you guys wanna catch the recording of this later, all you have to do is go to my podcast, The Intuitor. We didn't have an episode of The Intuitor this week because I was like, I just really need to take space. Usually we put out new episodes on Tuesdays around 11, but it's it's when I can get to it. Um, but we didn't have one this week because I was like, I have to take space. Like mentally, there's too much going on. It's a super nice day. I need a bike ride. And because of that bike ride, you have to have space to receive things. So because of that bike ride, all of these gifts started coming through. So very well-timed bike ride. Um, all right, where am I in questions here? I'm looking back at some of these other questions that we've answered. All right, cool. Oh, wait, I even answered those ones. Okay, great. Is that my honey right there? Oh, I love seeing. So something that I love about working with people over the course of the year is that I see you every Friday. So I always know at all times where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. No matter how many students I have, I always know where they've been, what workshop they did last, what workshop they're doing now, and what workshop they're going to be doing next. And not only that, every single one of my workshops is backed up onto an Enneagram. So they come to me and they say, I'm at lesson four. I know exactly where they're at in the magical process. I know exactly why things are hard. I know exactly what they need. So having this like unified map that goes across every business, every product, every client is like always, there's never this like, oh, tell me your name again. Like, let me consult your chart. I always know who you are, where you are, where you've been and where you're going. And that's like the main reason why I built an app is because I'm like, I need to make sure that the work is being received. Like I, in the past and with other things, it's like, you know, that someone gives you the plate of food, but they're not, before you can give someone a spiritual system, you have to make sure they have a digestive system. Cause if they get spiritual work, that's too advanced for them and they can't digest it. It's not going to go down where they can work with it. It's going to go up and it's going to give them some serious mental difficulty when knowledge, which is receiving exceeds understanding, which is digestion, it becomes imagination. And when you have too much imagination, this isn't like, oh, happy day, imagination. I'm feeling so imaginative. I'm Einstein. It doesn't, it's not that. Imagination is constantly giving you a hardest time. Anxiety is imagination. You're literally imagining outcomes that do not exist. And they're always the law of imagination, which is one of the 48 laws that governs you here on earth. And we'll make a real about this later on today. But the law of imagination, how they summarize it is that you never imagine yourself succeeding. Like you literally never imagine yourself succeeding. So if you imagine that the house is on fire, you don't imagine yourself busting down the doors and saving everybody. You imagine that everyone you know dies in that fucking fire. And then you pick up every addiction that you've kicked in the past and publicly fail. And for generations, they talk about what a loser you are and your unmarked gravestone and dying with the cats eating your face. Like that's imagination. Imagination grabs you and just pulls you and you have no control over it. 
and imagination and psychosis and schizophrenia and bipolar and all of these and OCD and pure O and all of these other symptoms of having a mind that is bossing the body around could be alleviated and be prevented if somebody had a digestive system before they got the spiritual system, if they had some kind of system for taking in new information, filtering what's true for them versus what's not true for them and digesting it down into work that could help other people. So there's there's never an inbox that's bigger than the outbox. It's constantly regenerating itself. It's constantly serving others. It goes learn, teach, repeat, learn, teach, repeat. But when someone doesn't have a digestive system and there's no way that they can ask the teacher questions or be like, hey, but how does this work for me? It all just stays in their head and it literally creates schizophrenia. It literally creates psychosis. It's so uncomfortable. It's happened to me. I've seen it happen to so many people. So that's really what I'm trying to help. I'm like, look, it doesn't have to be chaos like this. We can just follow a map and we can follow the steps and it'll 100% work. But this doesn't have to be pain and chaos. This doesn't have to be fucking crazy. Like we can work through this. Now it's like, if so if imagination is is bad, then what do we call positive imagination? We call it visualizing. And anybody that sat down to visualize can tell you that it's a lot harder to imagine the success of things than the failure of things. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to imagine because imagination will just tell you everything's ruined on its own. But to visualize something, it's like, oh, you you really feel it working up here. So that's how you know. All right. This is my, okay, so this, I have to be better about answering these faster because I do have quite a lot of questions that come up, but we have been talking here for a little minute. Uh, I just wanted to say so much hi to all of my new followers and everybody that's here. Okay, when I was doing OnlyFans, I had it, and just so you guys know, literally every single question that we ever answer is anonymous at all times. So I give people a timestamp and it might be a little bit clunky here while we're recording the podcast, but it will not be clunky for my people that are looking for their answers because I don't want you guys to have to listen to two hours of me going on and on when you just want a question answered. So you put your questions in the Q&A. You can do it anytime during the week and then I answer on Fridays and I give you a super clear timestamp so you know where to go and look for your answer. Sometimes it's live streamed, but usually I'm on like the treadmill or taking a walk or something and answering these. So Let me talk to my sweet honey baby here who I love so much. When I was doing OnlyFans, I had a sense of confidence that I never matched before and felt super worthy and unconcerned with the judgment of others in whatever room I walked into. I believe I've conflated my sexual value with my inherent value due to my trauma. But now I'm, I'm, this guy's going to love this answer. But now I'm looking to develop that feeling of worthiness within myself. Is there anywhere else I need to look from, aside from focusing on the dynamics of shame and pleasure to feel more worthy of love. I've been struggling to completely rule out OnlyFans for this reason. Part of me thinks I'm dismissing the feelings of worthiness that came up as invalid because sex work is not, quote unquote, not spiritual. However, how do I know that it wasn't actually just a sign of coming into integrity? I would love some clarity on all of this so that I can finally put it to rest either way. Um, And then he has a second question, but listen, my baby, You have cleared your shame. You have cleared your shame. And when something feels as good to you as OnlyFans has felt you 
owe it to yourself and your pursuit of pleasure to pursue that. And this is so like, this is such a hot topic because I, we've worked together before. So I know exactly what's going on here. Babe, go with OnlyFans, understanding that, yeah, pleasure is directly connected to your sex center, your sexual expression. You've got that exhibitionist kink. Like this is all so for you, but it's shame that's blocking you. It's shame that's saying like, look, no, you couldn't possibly like this. You couldn't possibly, this isn't, this isn't spiritual. This isn't good. This isn't holy. Here's the only thing that you need to absorb. Baby, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. Not if it thinks good. Not if it thinks good. Not if your mind can somehow, you know, say that you, you, you won't be persecuted for doing this. If it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good, don't. And don't let things get more complicated than that. If it feels good, do it. Repeat after me. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. Before I do something, I'm going to ask, does this feel good? Repeat after me. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not fucking doing it. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's unspiritual. I don't care if it's OnlyFans. I don't care if it's fucking scotch taping a jock strap to the window. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. And I'm not letting things get more complicated than that. Babe, I think that this is going to be your new 40-day practice. Anytime you have to make a decision, just ask yourself, does this feel good? Does this feel good to me? Next question, for building a profitable teaching business and going from point two to point three, you've discussed that your showing up on social media is in response to what you're currently learning. I'm just not sure to turn next as far as my own study to insight content creation. How do you usually figure out which book or source is the best for what you're trying to do? Like for example, for sex magic with such an abundance of text, how did you know which ones to say yes to? I feel ready to teach and you are. I just don't know where to turn because I feel like what we've worked on with shame and what I've gained in experience has never been put in one place that I've seen, which is like great for my business, but feels tricky at this stage when I want to have passive influence to respond to in this first Enneagram round when speaking on social media. Okay, I totally understand what you're saying. And it's one of the hardest things for teachers to do is to be able to self-assess where they need to work next. So what I'm going to have you do is go over to the workshop that says where to get started and you do that pie of life like you've probably done with me a million times. But let's do this again and let's say, okay, where am I actually feeling like I'm struggling the most in my life right now? And to be able to just see it on a pie chart, because a lot of times like we'll be doing really well when it comes to our spiritual practice, but really bad when it comes to like our vision and our clarity and our money. And you have to be able to give yourself permission to work where is the most lacking. And sometimes you just have to work money until it's not at the shitty part of the pie chart anymore. 
And this is such a hard thing for teachers to do because there's what they think they should be working on and then where they're actually struggling and they're hoping that magic's going to come and sweep up the dirty corners where they don't want to go and that the spiritual practice will save any everything and it just actually doesn't work that way. It is your responsibility to make your spiritual gifts profitable. It's your responsibility. You'll take every single step by yourself, but spirit can show you the way. So go and do that pie chart and find out exactly where it is where you're struggling the most. And then you're going to double down and work there. But really, 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 like I said, healing shame is lifestyle changes. But the story that you have is I'm just so blocked by shame. You're not blocked by shame. We moved that block. That block is moved. There's nothing wrong with you. There was never anything wrong with you in the first place. But now we know what shame looks like. And shame says, you're not meant to feel good, so don't do it. You're not meant to feel good, so don't do it. But shame is also tricky because it says it'll never succeed, don't do it. When you say you're going to do something, it's that little voice that laughs at you. That says, oh, you've never finished anything. Why would you even do this? And it's to you to be like, well, I'm going to finish this. Well, I'm going to finish this. And the reason why I didn't finish that was because it wasn't a fit for me and it didn't feel good and it wasn't making me happy. But where this gets tricky with business is a lot of people are like, oh, but it doesn't feel good to focus on business. It's well, does it feel good to be broke? And what would you rather have? A lot of money and to be able to focus on spirituality full time or no money and have to work for some douchebag to make things work out. So... Sometimes we have to focus on things we don't really want to focus on because this is what our life is calling out for. And when you actually really look at it on the pie chart and you say, wait, like I actually do very much want to focus on this because I want this part of my life to look better, then you can prioritize things accordingly. But when we never take stock of our lives and, and on that pie chart, which everybody has on the free version of my app, everybody has that. When you take stock of things like that, then you can say, this is where my life is really calling out for my attention. And so I'm going to put as many books, as many podcasts, as many workshops on this area of my life as possible. And feel free to come and share that with me. Or you can even text it to me because you have my, you can even text that to me and I'll get you a quick response. Um, but when it comes out, like, you know, what book or source is the best for what I'm trying to do? Like, I, I usually start with Google and then one book will have recommendations for other books inside of it. And that's where I start. But for example, with the whole erotic wealth work, it started with a question I had for my coach, which she couldn't answer for me. I was like, why does sex suck for me? She says, I don't know. It sucks for me too, but I'm thinking about taking this Esther Perel course. So I took the Esther Perel course and I learned about this term called the erotic. And then from the erotic, I took that down and I studied with a teacher whose name is Lou Andreas Salome, who was one of the only females in, in Freud's, the, it was the, the woman that Freud chose to psychoanalyze his daughter, his like shining star, Anna Freud. And so she wrote a book called The Erotic, which was really hard to get through. I started with that. And, and that whole time I was like reading and studying on sex magic. Sex magic is where things got a lot trickier because it was ranging from neo-tantras being like, just hold the vision and masturbate to it. And to, you know, going the completely other way to like Gnostic sex magic, where they're like, never ejaculate ever for the rest of your life. And then I kind of read everything in between there. And, and that particular sex magic research 
research was such a mind. It was a really like hard time of my life because every single sex magic teacher from the sacred to the profane are just talking like with so much authority, like this is how it is. And they all disagree with each other. Like the one is like, if you do, you know, if you ejaculate one time, you're going to hell. And the other person's like, ejaculate all the time. You've got all the different branches of magic within there. The black magicians that are like, go for the taboo to the fullest extent of the law. The white magicians, which are like, be afraid of the taboo and never go there whatsoever. Red magic, which is like, don't say no to anything. Like, and, and they don't actually, because sex magic is, gold magic and you can't take gold magic and break it down it's it's higher than these three levels of magic but you've got these three levels of magic the white the black and the red you guys can learn all about this in the master class that came with your free book if you signed up for my free book i automatically made you an account on my app so you can go there to get all of your bonuses just go to login put the email in that you used to sign up and reset your password and you'll be able to access all of your stuff on your free account there it's no problem but you can't have these lower magicians commenting on a, on a level of magic that's higher for them. So that's why they're fighting so much is because they're trying to say, mine, 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 mine. And gold magic is its own thing. Gold magic is not something black magicians do. It's not something white magicians do. It's not something red magicians do. They can all talk about it and comment on it, but you have to be a gold magician to do gold magic. And I'm, I'm so honored that that teaching, if it wasn't for the Enneagram to find some way to formulate all of this knowledge and be like, look, we're not just going to try all of these random practices and hope that it's going to work out. We're not going to take an ingredient for them and ingredient from them by really analyzing sex magic through the lens of the Enneagram and, and saying, okay, if every creation can be broken down into 10 steps, then there are 10 steps for, for correct sex magic. So now I have to read all of the manuals from everybody and be like, so what are they saying is point one? What are they saying is point two? What are they saying is point three? And then so much testing, three years of testing, case studies, personal work that works, but it works, but it works. It fucking works so good. And I'm so happy to be able to bring such practical this is what I really feel like the spiritual community needs is just like a practical head, a nice Capricorn to cut through the bullshit and be all right, honey, honey, honey. Okay, 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 okay. We're going to just work step by step until it's done. We're going to start here. Then we're going to do this. Then it's going to do this. I'll tell you everywhere that we're going and everything that we're going to do. And then we're going to take the steps together. But we are no longer fucking flinging crystals at the wall and seeing which one is going to stick. We need to work in an organized way because things can get really crazy. <laughs> things can get so crazy. This person says everything you want in life is already there. You just have to connect to that vibration. Now to say that is one thing, but to understand that is something really different. And it's true. Like your beliefs create your reality, but your being attracts your life. And being is like a complete inside out. You have to kill the old self to be a new self. And then that new self attracts a new life. But if you feel like you've changed a lot and your circumstances haven't changed, then you haven't changed a lot. And that's just the bottom line. Someone is never too evolved for their circumstances. Someone is never too evolved for their circumstances. Like someone's never super advanced spiritually, but having like a dramatic and chaotic and crazy life, that's just never the, the thing. Like their surroundings are telling you 
how much they're actually practicing what it is that they're preaching. And it takes a lot to be transformed. Like people change the same way, you know, if I cut my hair, I would change, you know, and I might even have a new personality that comes with a short, you know, shorter hair is like, oh, I feel so much crazier. Yeah. But to actually be transformed, to become a different person inside and out and not just be rearranging your personality based on your preferences, like that's a hard thing to do. But when you do it, and that's what we do in erotic and autoerotic wealth, erotic is for couples and autoerotic is for singles. Um, that's really what we do. The fucking tricky thing about erotic wealth, though, is that if one partner transforms and the other doesn't, like you, once you start doing the magical process together, you have to finish it together. So if one partner starts ascending and the other one isn't because they're lazy or stuck or not being completely honest, like if you don't bend, you will be broken. But we are going to meet the agreed upon outcome. I'm not going to be the one to break you. But if you committed and you said that you're doing this and you're doing this magical process, like you're going to fucking do it. <laughs> you might not like it, but you're going to fucking do it. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> results guaranteed, baby. But results guaranteed if you do the damn work. So that's gonna be well, not us. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Q&A here. Almost done on this one. And then we'll be over into autoerotic, which takes a little bit more time. Hui. Okay, advice on self publishing. Yes, honey, I'm building a publishing company. I've had a couple calls with publishers, and I very much dislike their offers, no rapport built whatsoever. And then they ask me for a payment. Hell no. Hell fucking no is right. Seriously, do not even think like if the publisher is asking you for money, that's a scam. Don't even think about it. The only thing that a publisher should be offering you is a book advance and a book advance for a first book, they usually offer you between like three and 10K. But here's, I'm a very big fan of self-publishing, but I'm needing to build a whole publishing company to show people that you can sell, the, the average self-published book sells 200 copies, which is dismal. There are so many advantages to self-publishing, but you need to, if you're self-publishing, you have to see yourself as a publisher. You have to be as on your shit as a publisher would be. You have to be your agent. You have to be your marketing director. You have to be your PR. You have to be your launch manager. You need to develop all of these skills. But here's the, the options. You will be so fucking ripped off by a publishing company. And when they're offering you deals, it's because they see that you already have an audience that they would like that that will already buy your book. They see that you have an audience. Basically, they want to sell you to your own audience and you pay them 92% of the Roy of everything that that book makes your fucking life's work to your audience and you get to keep 8% of it after you pay back the book advance. 15% of those royalties are gonna to go to your literary agent. If you're working with publishers directly, you don't have an agent. But I think that this industry is dying and dying fast and I will have my first range of, I've published five books on my own, but it was in response to people really needing them. So I didn't launch them or anything. I'm like, you want it, I made it the end. It wasn't like, I'm gonna write this book and this has to be, I was just filling orders. So, Art that's made out of necessity is always a success. That's a law of life. Art made out of necessity is a success. So all of the art, all of the books that I've made so far, that's my art form. All of that has been successful. 
so far, but I really, what I'm really here to do is teach people how to treat their books like any other passive income product, which is like, you should re, re, it's not about launching, it's about relaunching. And when you work with a publisher, they really only care about that initial splash. So you fucking busted your ass for a piece of Chanel. A book is Chanel. Workshops come and go. Workshops, Margella. But a book is Chanel. A book is Chanel. And you should be able to sell and resell and resell and resell and resell that book over and over and over again and make more money every single time. The only thing is, is that the erotic dies for artists really fast. So a lot of times they're like, oh, like, I just don't even want to look at this book after it's published. And you must. And you must. This is you honoring yourself as an artist. So I will have something on this soon. But I would definitely, I would definitely, if you don't like their offers, don't take them. Really, all they're selling you is the prestige of working with a publishing company. And that shit's going to wear off really fast. I really recommend looking up like book talk as well, because the, the creativity with which people are launching and relaunching their own books and constantly landing number one on the bestseller list on Amazon is like super impressive and super inspiring. And just while we're on this note, the New York Times bestseller list is something that so many authors cover. It, but the New York Times bestseller list is editorial content, which means that it has nothing to do with how many copies your book has sold. It's if the people at the New York Times decide they want to feature you or not. So it's not like a competition. It's not data driven. It's editorial content. So that was fucking crazy to me. All right. Input on my 5-1 profile type as leadership style. I watch Richard's video. Uh, but your five one oh oh Richard Beaumont. Sorry, I thought you were talking Richard Roy from uh, I thought you were talking Richard Roy from the Enneagram. And put on my five one profile type as leadership style. Well, the first thing that you want to know about yourself as a five one is that you have the most seductive aura, and people are so drawn to you, and they think you're so hot. Like this five one, the heretic investigator is like, oh, it's like heroin energy, you know? It's just like oh, the big, dark, sucking void where you're like, who are you? What is you? Like, you're hot. <laughs> That's what the 5-1 has. Um, oh, and you're a 5-1 manifester? Okay, so here's something. Okay, so let's just read what else she's saying. And just so you guys know, I talk a lot about human, I teach human design, and especially as it relates to authenticity and business in my workshop, Fuckless. All of my workshops, when you sign up for my school, you get access to all of my workshops, but I'm making sure that you don't start five of them and not finish them. They're all magical processes. You don't want to leave these things half cooked. You'll be stuck off key for so long. It's fucking terrible. You definitely don't want that. So it's really about making sure that you're starting with the right things so that you can finish the right things, not so that you can start a bunch of things, get overwhelmed and then leave. Um, but Richard's video, he talks about getting in and getting out, creating something where people can't become reliant on me. Can you expand on this? My strategy is to inform. I'm a manifester. Uh, I'm a manifester and my inner authority is emotional. So your, your strategy actually as a manifester is more than informing you. You don't just oh, crap. I've got this guest thing again. Hi, you guys love you, but I, I'm not trying to get guests on here right now. And I'm doing a Q and a somewhere else. So you guys want to ask me a question? Do you have any questions? I'm an esoteric teacher. I have the answer for everything. Super, super, super. super. 
You guys are so funny. Get me out of here. You guys are so funny on TikTok. What, my love? Mashallah, you guys. Mashallah. Kepachalek. Super bien. Alhamdulillah. I don't speak all that. I only speak Bodega Arabic. I only speak enough to get through the Bodega. <laughs> all right. Love you guys. I got to get. I don't know how to. People keep asking to be on my live stream on TikTok, but I actually don't know how to get out of it. Okay. Let's keep answering these questions because I got to go. Okay. So you're, as a manifester, your strategy is to initiate, inform, and respond. So basically what this means for the manifester is that you guys all have to work on your own timing. Everybody else is here to bend to your timing. So when Richard Beaumont says, get in and get out, the manifestors are the architects of the world. So the architect doesn't sit there on the job site making sure everybody is doing their thing. What the architect does is say, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. You basically see the future and then tell other people how to, you know, how to, how to catch up with that vision. And so... That is what I would really, oh, and you're an emotional manifester. Okay, wonderful. So this is what I would do with human design. The real issue is not having a digestive system for it. So you're taking in all the information and you're going, is this me? Is this me? Is this me? In Fuckless, where we teach human design, we're really adamant about just focusing on one piece at a time. So for you, just focus on what it means to be a manifester. And the bottom line with being a manifester is whatever any anybody else's feelings about you are irrelevant. Anybody else's opinions of you are irrelevant. You are here to direct the people, say, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, and leave, and that's it. So just one piece of human design at a time. I love a manifester. Ryan for Ransom is also a manifester. I love manifestors, and my sister is a manifester. I didn't understand her for a really long time really long time. And I feel like I just put her through hell because I didn't know what a manifester was. I was like, why are you, why won't you fucking respond to me? And human design has really, I'm not here to tell people like, this is what's wrong with you. And this is how you can fix it. I'm here to make people feel for the first time, like there's never been anything wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with you. You were just fine. At the root of shame, we find out there was nothing to be ashamed of. You're a manifester. All of the things that you think are your flaws are actually your gifts. We go over this so hard and fuckless. I love that workshop so much. Talk about a workshop that makes you fucking love yourself, but with data, you know, it's like everything that you think is a flaw is here to work for you in business. So let's look at exactly who you are objectively without this. Am I good? Am I bad? Let's just look at who you are. And then let's put all of these assets to work for you. And so you're no longer trying to change something about yourself that is really like your gift and really here to work for you. I love Fuckless so much. Fuckless was actually, that was another example of art made out of necessity is just so many people asked me to do a workshop on authenticity. And so I was like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to make it profitable because nothing sells like authenticity. It's such a good, such a good sales plan. All right. Next question. Are there any types of loans that you're aware of for coaching or co coaching services? Listen, this is something, this is my criteria always, always, always for finding a coach is like, can you afford it? Your coaching fee should not be more than 10% of your annual income. So if it's a lump coaching fee, 
let's say it's, you know, 20 grand, then you, then this should not be more than 50% of your annual income. If it's a monthly payment, it, I'm sorry, not 50, 10, I was getting a call. If your coaching fee is $2,000 a month, then your income should be $20,000 a month. But you can really, coaches charge what they charge because they can help people that can afford it. And the problems that you're dealing with, you know, when you're the type of person that can afford 120K on coaching and something like that are super different than somebody that's just getting started. So a more expensive coach isn't going to do a better service for you. If just because they're expensive, like if you need a coach, get one that you can afford and knowing you will save yourself a lot of debt and a lot of difficulty is just knowing when you can't afford a coach. If you have the money and you can do it, and I've paid well over 10% many a time with no regrets. If you have the money there and you're committed to doing it, do it, spend the money, don't look back, but you're not going to get the best return on it if you can't afford it. So if you're going to take out a loan or do some type of investment, do it in your business, but don't do it on a coach. And that's why I just said in the, in the email I sent out about the Enneagram just recently is like, so much of what people hire a coach for is getting the vision. And if you know how the Enneagram works, you can execute on the vision and then you can take that money that you would be spending on an architect and use it instead on, on, on building tools. So you'll have to pay an architect a lot of money to help you take your dream and make it an executable vision. But if you know how to do that yourself because you know how the Enneagram works because you've took my course because no one else teaches this, if you know how to do this then you don't have to pay architects anymore, you can just invest those resources and tools. And some of the tools that I'm learning right now that are actually having such a big impact on my business like right away are the tools of SEO, are the tools uh, is like SEO and marketing funnels. These are two things that I'm investing a lot of time and energy into studying right now that are really, I, I really like how this is working out for me so far. What's the most effective way to shut down or redirect people when they tell me my voice is too loud or other uninvited opinions in general? And how do I address the inconsistency due to agreeing with them in the past, which was a lie because I was addicted to people pleasing? You are gonna love the workshop fuckless. I don't know if you're... Um, I think that maybe I need to see what workshop are you working on right now is what I want to know. I think you're in autoerotic. Um, I think you're in autoerotic, but reach out to me because I want to know what workshop you're working on right now. Because if you have time to do fuckless, these are all fuckless things, but I don't want you to, to have too much going on at once. Um, most effective way to shut down or redirect people when they tell you my voice is too loud. Yeah, it's, this is who you are. This is who you are. Talk louder. If they say your voice is too loud, go, what? Not everybody is here to work a crowd. If you have a loud voice, you're obviously here to work a crowd. It's my style, man. It's my fucking style. And how do you address the inconsistency due to agreeing with them in the past? It's never too late to raise your standards. And all you have to do is saying, I'm, I'd like to be treated like this now. I'd like to be called this now. I'm not doing that anymore. And anybody that says that their personal preferences need to come in front of yours doesn't fucking care about you. And somebody that you love would never tell you that your voice is too loud. They might tell you like, okay, like a little bit, like my husband would say to me, but 
ultimately, they don't have a fucking problem with how you talk. I used to think that I talked too much. I talk all day, every day. My husband is a dead sea, meaning the water goes in and it doesn't come out. And I'm a babbling brook. So we are a great combination for each other. Hey, mommy, I wanted to ask your opinion on the sliding scale. I see businesses that use this and I don't know how I feel about them. Yeah, I think that it's very important to have clear pricing. And I also think that it's very important to not contribute to this narrative that like certain demographics could only could only do it with the nice white person's help. You know, like people don't want, I know what it's like to be someone that was so pitied by humanity that people wanted, people were like, I need to give you charity. And this is something that I could hide about myself because I was white. People only knew as much, you know, but when we're looking, when we're saying like, for example, like, okay, all black people are, have struggled in the past and we need to help them so that they can have a fair shot. And that's not something that they can hide if they want to. It's so shitty. I don't want your fucking pity. I mean, I can't speak, I'm, I'm not black, so I can't speak for the black community, nor will I ever try or any other demographic. But what I will tell you is that I did this when I first moved to New Mexico and I was living close to the res. And I was like, yeah, we have to help them. The conditions on the res are so bad. This is so bad. And then I started really following welfare culture who do so much work and they're native and they do so much work on the reservation. And that really fucking gave me a 180. They don't want your fucking pity. They don't want your fucking help. They're doing great. Great. There's a lot of wonderful things to focus on. And all of this, it's just your own savior complex. You know, like I want to help these people because they couldn't do it without my help. Stop fucking fashing yourself, you know, like this is not, no. And I think that it's the only place I would say to have wiggle room on this is if somebody is in a different currency than you, and it would just be a really difficult mountain for them to climb, and how I navigate, like how much, you know, if somebody, it's like, like people will say, okay, well, in Australian dollars, in Australian dollars, this would be 3000 and not 2000. So, you know, could I get it in 2000 Australian dollars? And when stuff like that happens, I just ask them how much a Heineken is in their city or in their, where they are. Um, because a Heineken is a really good unit. It's just in any, I, I learned this from working in a bar so long ago, but a Heineken, however much a Heineken will tell you like how the economy is doing. So they're like, can you please make a $3,000 product, a $2,000 product to correspond to AUD? Well, I'm like, well, how much is a Heineken? And they're like, well, Heineken's $9. I say, you guys are fucking fine. If you're paying $9 for a Heineken, then you can pay 3000 Australian dollars for my workshop. But if this was something like, you know, in Cruzeros or, or you know, somewhere where they, the economy is much worse then I would, it's, I want, if you're doing an a la carte workshop, then an a la carte workshop should cost you, you know, about what a, a really nice dinner and a totally new outfit to go to that dinner should be. So like dress, shoes, and really nice dinner with someone, it should cost you about that. And then if you're doing the annual school with me, it should cost you about one month's rent. So one month's rent if you're living by yourself. So that's about what that would be. But I, I'm, I'm not a fan of sliding scale because with, when you guys do my wealth workshop, it's enrolling in December, starting in January, it's like a 40 day brainwashing so that you get a wealth mindset where there used to be a poverty mindset. 
It's very, it's very like high output, this one. 40 days of working out, 40 days of meditation, like it'll do the fucking job, baby. But that's, we talk about how important it is to have a clear communication with money. And so if you're telling the universe, I want to be paid this, but I'll also take this, like the universe doesn't work with mixed messages. And what you're getting, they're, they're selecting one message and your life reflects what that message is. So if you're like, oh, you know, I'm just getting inconsistent money and I really want to raise my vibration so that I don't have inconsistent money. It's like, well, you have inconsistent messaging with the universe about what you actually want to get paid. You have different pricing for, for everybody. You're just like pulling numbers out of your ass. You have to establish a clear value for yourself and for everybody involved. My friend says, I do not get human design so much. Oh, wait, let me just tell her what her timestamp is here. Everyone gets a timestamp. I do not get human design so much that I hate it. But when you talk about it, it seems useful. <laughs> what is the most idiot proof to learning human design for giant crybabies? Um, if you're actually dealing with somebody who is a big crybaby... I would look up to see if they have emotional definition or not. Emotional definition is the left pointing triangle on the right side of your human design chart. So like down, you know, it's it would be at like three o'clock basically on the human design chart. And if somebody has emotional definition, then they are not in control of their emotions. They're here to surrender to their emotions and their emotions, they ride a mechanical wave of emotions. So what the mechanical wave of emotion means is that the emotions go up and down whether they like it or not. The emotions go up and down whether they like it or not. And so it can seem like these people are so emotional, especially at the most inconvenient times. And if you do not have emotional definition and they do, and you're within nine feet of them when they're going through it emotionally, you not only feel their emotions as if it's happening to you, but you also feel fear because you are feeling something that doesn't belong to you. So you go into fight or flight really, really fast because you're feeling an emotion that's not yours and you don't understand why it's happening to you. You're like, am I fucking crazy? Like what's going on here? So understanding what emotional definition is and how to really support people that have that because it's for their creative process. And it's one of the best, there's nothing more beautiful than somebody that really understands what it means to be emotionally defined and to feel things so purely and deeply. These are like the best artists in the whole world. But also for you as someone that's open emotional, and I'm not looking at your chart, so I don't know if this is you. I'm just saying, look for that on the chart. If it's colored in, they have that definition. If it's empty, they do not. You can show me a human design chart if we need to look into this more. That's all totally fine with me. But you said giant crybabies. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. If you are open emotional and you love somebody that has that emotional definition, then it's literally such good practice for you to learn how to not identify with someone else's emotions, to be able to see someone really going through it emotionally and not identify with that, not go, oh, I have to fix this or we have to fix this or this has to stop or this has to, what do you, you know, like learning how to deal with it in a way that's more elegant than sending them off to their own space or giving them whatever they want to shut it up is really the art of, of parenting children with, with emotional definition, loving people with emotional definition or honoring your own 
emotional definition. So nothing is easier to bear than the suffering of others, but it can be very tricky when when you're literally feeling as if it's happening to you. I know that if I didn't know about this particular facet of human design, like because my daughter could just fucking my daughter could get to me the way that my son never could. And my daughter is the only emotionally defined person in the household. So like she would just go from zero to a million. And I'd be like, what the, I feel like I'm going to literally explode. Like, and that makes me so scared of myself because I'm not this way. And I don't want to be, you know, just freaking out at my daughter. I don't want to get along so well with everybody else. And then for my daughter, I'm just like psychotic, you know, but the way, but she fucking gets to me, you know, she really pushes my buttons and that's because she has emotional definition and nobody else in the family does. So that's what's going on there. All right, we have Q&A over to Autoerotic. I might take a break. Ooh, we got a lot of questions in here today. We got a lot of questions in here today. This is what I'm going to do. Oh, wait, I actually answered. Okay, so maybe it's not so much. All right, all right, I'm okay. I was like, whoa, let me just close this window and we'll do these autoerotic ones as efficiently as we can. Because I hear my husband has taken the baby out for a nap and also my son hopefully we got this all right i was let me just give my queen a timestamp here let's see 104 there you are my queen just re-watching the first videos to make sure i didn't miss any more critical bits i'm loving hearing the party about insisting again and i'm inspired to ask do you Oh, about inspiration again. Do you recommend any books on this inspired working idea? I'd love to immerse more into this idea. What I would recommend is uh, old Wayne Dyer lectures because he, he is who put me onto that. Um, Wayne Dyer PBS special, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, I want to say. He's amazing. I love him. He's like the dad that I wish that I had. Point six is always the one that gets me more than point three. I get it. The deep loneliness is set in. I get it. Still figuring out the right path through my point six crashes. Do you have any insight for me regarding this particular point six autoerotic? I'm conflicted if I need to allow myself more time with the people I love or if I need to find the space within myself. And then she says, scratch that. I've figured it out. Use your deity. Pray to your deity like crazy. Pray to your deity over and over and over again, like like just nonstop crazy because the words, and I, I know that you figured it out, but the words that come through when you give yourself permission to vocalize these things are really, it'll, it'll tell you so much more about what you're going through than, than anyone else could. Hi, mommy. Realize that the voice that says I can't teach because I don't know enough is probably also related to the block that I don't really have a story to tell about myself. Both are throat chakra blocks. Love the new name, by the way, honey. Both are throat chakra blocks. I've decided to start working wheels reinvented to flush the whole system. Since I'm at point five right now in autoerotic lesson six, I'm doing the work to prepare my offering. Is this a good time to allow myself some space to go through wheels without losing my stride? 
I, I, I would tell you if I thought it was, but I do not think that you want to go into the wheel sauce right now. Like literally not at all, not 0 0.5, 0 0.6 where things are getting so tricky. Here's what you can do. Go in and listen to just the Anahata lecture. You'll listen to it again when you're coming all the way through, but just go in and listen to the Anahata lecture. And for this one, I'm going to encourage you actually, don't worry about working it out of order or anything like that. You're fine. But for you, I'm actually going to re recommend watching the case study call. And then if you need more from that, then go in and listen to the lecture as well. But I do not want to encourage you at 0.5 to take a little detour into Wheels Reinvented because no, that just does not sound and flow. Wheels Reinvented is super intense and, and it's very disarming for the first few, few, few lessons before you start to really like find your feet again. 0.5, the point of most attention. This is the gird your loins part of it. This is not when we're going into sacred disarming of, of ourselves. So please listen to me. <laughs> please listen to me. Don't go deep. Don't go diving in the shame work right now. We will make space for that later. But thank you literally so much for asking. Thank you. So this is like why we have this app, why we have these homework checks, why and, and for the most part, like people change their names on here all the time and a lot of times I can recognize the face uh but or just from the storyline what's up but and I really encourage you to do that try on as many fucking identities as you want this is why I built an app is so that you could say whatever not worry that your data was going to be like held or stored or there was always some third party with either Facebook or Slack or any of these other communities so I really wanted a place where it's like your secrets are safe with me here and when you delete your account like when you're done everything that you've ever posted is deleted as well. So that's pretty cool. Thank you so much for asking though. Okay, we have her timestamp here. Mrs. Raspberry, what is the best way to treat a family member who you observe has codependent tendencies if they're not ready to heal that wound? So for example, if they complain a lot that they go above and beyond for their friends, but they don't feel like people give that energy back and they're afraid that if they stop their efforts, they'll simply have no friends. What do I say or do without trying to covertly get them to do shadow work? Just tell them you'll have me. You'll have me. If you don't like, you know, you'll have me. And shit, maybe I will be the only friend that you have left. But it's it's not a friend if you have to work for them. You know, when when the thing about sh with friends is like that if you if you want to change your friends, or your family members, the best way to do it is to just be different. When someone sees an example of you not taking shit, not letting people walk all over you, that speaks so much more than any advice that you could ever give them. So, you know, they see you not taking shit. When the time is right, they'll say, you know what? Mrs. Raspberry doesn't fucking take shit. I'm not taking shit. I'm not taking shit. She showed me that it was okay. So that's a lot more effective than anything else, like demonstrating really strong and good boundaries. But your friends don't want your help. You know, they just want you to love them. So when you don't know what to say, just shut up and love them. Just shut up and love them. It's the best way. <laughs> I'm stoked because I thought I was going to have so many questions here, but we're doing great. Not that I don't like answering a bunch of questions, but sometimes I only have so many words in a day and I spent 23 minutes with talking about whatever I was talking about. And so uh, I'm starting to run out of words and turn into a pumpkin, but this is going to be the perfect timing. 
Update from last week. Mommy, you lit a fire under my ass last week with your words. Yes, baby. And I got my kids and I a house. Yes, baby. Yes, baby. Yes, baby. That's right, honey. That's fucking right, honey. You fucking did that. You fucking did that. You don't need help from anybody. You fucking got that. Yes, honey. Yes, honey. Yes, honey. I got my kids and I a house. No help from anyone. Just me. Yes. We are free from the toxic relationship. Yes. We are free from being trapped at my mom's house. Yes. Now time to buckle down and make money to support this new life and create the life we deserve. Yes, honey. We are in the house and everything's hitting me like a ton of bricks. The positivity and confidence and hope I had that I could do this on my own is almost not. I'm happy I got the other half of this. We are in the house and everything is hitting me like a ton of bricks. Yes, honey. The positivity and the confidence and hope I had that I could do this on my own is almost non-existent and I am spiraling into panic. I don't know if this was the right decision. Honey, it's gonna be okay. This is my first, you got this. And this, you never know that you are crossing into new territory if fear doesn't come up and says, hey, you can't do this. You can do this. You've got this. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, 100%. I would, look, I would count up every single dollar that you have. How much credit do you have on credit lines? Are you willing to go into debt a little bit to make things profitable? Whatever, but count every single dollar that you have. Start counting every single dollar every single day and watch it grow. Calculate everything up, whatever you need to do, but you can do this. The only thing is that I'm going to tell you is do not wait until you're in the red zone for a miracle. Don't wait until you're in the red zone for a miracle and be like, Get the miracle now. Don't let things go into the red zone before it's time to start taking action. And, you know, maybe you need to get a part-time job. Maybe you need to hustle your fucking face off on social media. But I do want to point this, I, I don't know why this is coming through, but one of the like easiest scale businesses too that you can do with kids if you ever need to make quick money is cleaning houses. Like, especially if you have kids and you can just bring them with you and be like, okay, okay fucking sit and watch TV while we're doing this. And you're just listening to podcasts the whole time and cleaning the shit out of places like you can always it's super easy to scale these businesses up and it's super easy to get quick work doing something like doing something like that I'm sure that hearing this might sound really discouraging but my prompt on this is just write down 50 ways that you could make quick cash if you needed to. I don't care if it's selling your panties on the internet, like whatever, but just write down 50 ways that you could make quick cash and have that, just having that list, you'll be like, okay, I'm okay. If I ever feel like I'm getting into the red zone, I can just grind it out in this area and this area take the pressure off of the business that I'm building because you are building a profitable business, but it's going to build and you need to be able to plant the seeds and water it and let it grow. You can't do that if you're like freaking out about how to make ends meet. And just know that, you know, if you're in a serious bind, just reach out to us via email. We will definitely work with, you know, if you need to pause your subscription, we'll keep you your classes and everything like that. But we can always pause your subscription until you can resume a payment again. We don't do this for very long term and we don't do it for many people, but we're so reasonable when it comes to, we care more about you completing the magical process than getting paid. So reach out to us with a payment solution 
Be like, I have this problem, but this is how I think that I can solve it. And we're always going to work with you on that. It's going to be okay. You're doing this. You're doing this. You're doing this. It's you are, you're doing this. The hard part is over. Now we're just scooping the bag. It's going to be a crazy year for you for sure. But you're going to look back on this and be like, this was the year that changed my whole life. And you can do it. Just keep going forward. You're on the right path. You're, you don't have to worry about which way to go anyway, anymore. You're on the right path. Just keep going forward. Just keep going straight. Just keep going straight. And if some Mr. Perfect comes along and says, I'm going to solve all your problems. Just let me swoop in, move in with you. You examine that motherfucker. You examine that motherfucker. Keep your head on straight. You can do this by yourself. And if you had infinite money and infinite power, would this person check all the boxes? You really keep your head on straight when it comes to men coming into your life. That was the last fucking time you deal with some bullshit from a man. That was the last fucking time. You got this. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Look at the life you're creating for your kids. And they don't have to, it doesn't have to be smooth the whole way, but you're doing it. You're doing it. And they look up to you so much for that. And you're teaching them like what you're teaching your kids about how like, look, we will fall flat on our face, but we will always find our feet. And it's okay to fall flat on your face. And it's okay to ask people for help because when you ask for help, and you really buckle down and you say, but I'm going to find a way through this. You will always find your feet. Life is not going to be without mishaps. We'll fall flat on our face so many times, but this is how you pick yourself back up. And every time we pick ourselves back up, we come back better. We come back stronger. This is the best education you can give to your kids. How to deal with failure. Someone, this guy, this Egyptian this Egyptologist, he posted a TikTok a while ago and he said, like, if I could only show people one, he was like, I've been all over Egypt, seen every ruin, see everything. Like, if there was just one thing that I could show them, it would be, it would be this ruin. And the ruin, this is going to make me cry, but the ruin that he was showing is a pyramid that's like a, a, a few miles away from, you know, pretty close to the big pyramids, but it was a pyramid that they started building that they had to abandon now because they would spend all of this time working on these foundations or I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they do it. It looked like they were building some kind of a huge monolith. But sometimes if you got the math just a little bit wrong, a huge crack would appear in it. And no matter how much work you would put into it, you just had to abandon it. And he's like, out of everything that I would show someone in Egypt, it would be this. And it's like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's not every project that you start, you'll be able to finish. Sometimes you just have to accept that something is broken, but not give up on the whole plan. And, and when you see somebody successful, like this isn't their first draft. There are people's third drafts become successful. It's very rare. And when you look into anybody's success story on the podcast, like how I built this or masters of scale or any one of these, you'll see that, that people just had to keep trying over and over and over again. And this dates all the way back to the beginning of time. So this is the best thing that you can teach your kids. You're doing such a good job. Just keep going straight. Just keep going straight. You're doing amazing. All right, last two questions. Mommy, I loved your last Q&A. Thank you. Thanks for all the attention to detail and love you put into this. Well, I love you guys. 
I don't want anybody to be stuck where I was stuck. If I can help, como no? You know, how could I, how could I not help? How could I not do this? You've invested in me. I'm investing in you. That's a deal. We made a deal. Wealth question. What would you say are your top three resources for identifying, reaching, and growing digital audiences? Definitely. Well, here's, okay, so for, for me, Fuckless on launching and marketing is the best resource that I have for getting your message out there in an effective way. And, you know, no amount, the, the internet can't boost your content if your content isn't good to begin with. And it's only going to be good if it's authentic. So Fuckless is really going to help you in that way. But just the straight up Neil Patel free course on SEO has been really, that's just exactly what I'm doing with my SEO with, I'm sorry, with my website designer, super good learning all of these ways and, and learning about SEO in relationship to YouTube. I've taken two separate courses on these, Sunny Leonard Doozy's YouTube for Bosses course and also the Founder YouTube Ads course. So that's how I was learning about it. But basically any YouTube video or whatever you watch that tells you to use a combination of these two platforms, Answer the Public and Tube Buddy. T-U-B-E buddy. Those are, are what's consistent in both of those workshops I've taken. And that's what's actually helped me to, to really optimize my content on YouTube. But when it comes to Instagram and when it comes to TikTok, the only way that the internet can help you regardless of what your content is, is to be aware of the, of the content types that they're trying to promote and not getting too creatively stuck in your ways. Like, oh, I can't do video. I can't do this. There's always a way to do it. And in Fuckless, we really teach you like, you know, what your POV is supposed to be. Some people are supposed to be in front of the camera. Some people are not what your messaging is like, what your branding is, how you tell stories, all of these things. Human design can make all of that a lot easier. It's such a useful tool, especially in parenting and especially in business. But um, that if you have great content, the algorithm can push it really easily. If you don't have great content or if your content isn't coming from a place of what lights you up, but is coming from a place of like what you think will work, that's going to be the challenge. So that was really the intention with Fuckless is showing you like exactly why the things that light you up, light you up and how you can rest on this so that making content is a breeze and you're doing it because you love it. And then, and then the numbers come afterwards. Erotic question at point three, it's becoming clear to me that I need to surrender all outcomes related to any person and partner coming into my life and giving me what I want or don't think I can access on my own. Yeah, that's the surrender line. But everybody that's met your soulmate will tell you you met them when you weren't looking like my husband and I were both like, oh, here comes a person like I don't even want a person at this point because I'm so like on my own tip and my own practices and and so everybody will tell you they always come when you're not looking so you're in the right pl place for that for sure um in autoerotic wealth too we identified that it's what our love interest symbolizes to us that we truly want for me, things like safety, security, passion, support, etc., and affirm that we can, in fact, access these things within ourselves. This all makes intellectual sense, but in light of what's coming up here, I'm wondering how this is actually possible in application. Why is it true that I don't actually lack these things I am seeking in a partner, even though it feels like I do and can actually access them? So let's just go through these things one by one. Safety is a sense that you feel inside of yourself. 
Safety is trusting in your own ability to figure it the fuck out no matter what. Safety is not arming yourself for any potential outcome. It's becoming the type of person that says, whatever it is, I'll deal with it. Like it's no longer the prayer of like, oh, I hope that nothing happens. It's knowing that whatever it is, I'll deal with it. Whatever it is, I'll deal with it. I hope something fucking happens. I forget this song uh, that it's like this this trap song that I love, but he was like, uh, it's he's he's it's something like I don't know the club. Yeah, I don't need security. He's talking about like how he doesn't need security in the club, and he keeps saying in the song like, "Bitch, I wish you would come. Like I fucking hope you show up. I'll shoot you to death." <laughs> like, and that attitude, that having that, that's what like safety is. Is not like, gee, I hope that nothing happens. I hope something fucking does happen kick your fucking ass bitch yeah what who wants to fight me (laughs) i'm so gnarly i'm for real so gnarly i would not want to fight me i ask my husband i've kicked his ass many times and he's like mr fucking martial arts i say bro you can be mr fucking martial arts all you want but i'm scrappy i'm fucking scrappy i see no amount of training and choreography can make up for my fucking scrappiness i have seven brothers six of them are older than me you think i haven't worked my way out from the bottom of a fucking pig pile like bitch show up fucking kick your ass bitch um now let's go through security security is the same thing security is no matter what it is i'll figure it the fuck out drop me off in the middle of nowhere i'll figure it the fuck out now education educating yourself education cures fear so research all of the you know if your biggest fear of security is like well what if i go bankrupt will i lose my house research it educate yourself is that what that means if you buy a house under your business name instead of your personal name, can't be taken away from you unless that business goes bankrupt. So, but educate yourself. Passion. Passion is you being, passion is not sexual passion with someone else. It's you being excited about what you are doing and what you are up to in your creative projects. That's you being passionate. You light yourself up. Nobody can ever make you passionate. And when you're working with two partners who have both lost their passion, all they do is fight with each other, getting into bigger and bigger fights, and they call that passion. That's not passion. That's that's not passion. That's a really cheap substitution for passion. That's like the methadone of passion. It's not actually getting you the high you want. It's just making you feel like you could live without that passion. You don't want that. You don't want methadone passion. You want the good shit. <laughs> you want the good shit. So nobody can actually even supply passion to you. You have to supply that for yourself. And you do that by being upset. Fill your life with creative projects. Everything that and and start with what you start with what you have. You don't need to go get all new gear. But Joni Mitchell was saying recently, or you know, I don't know if it's recently. It was a video I saw on TikTok. I don't even know if Joni Mitchell's alive or not. But Joni Mitchell was saying that one of the reasons why she never ran out of songs to write, and I've never heard a Joni Mitchell song, so you know, don't don't feel like you got to be an expert on this because I'm not. I just saw this video on my TikTok, but she was saying that she never ran out of things to talk about because if she wasn't singing, if she wasn't singing songwriting then she was painting and so because she had other mediums to work with all the time if it wasn't one it was the other she was able to stay creative always 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 
So I really recommend, you know, if you're not feeling it in one medium, bring something else in. If you're sick of the workout you're doing, bring something else in. Just do the things that light you up and no one else is going to bring those things to you. When you do the things that light you up, you meet people who, who also love doing those things on that path. For example, you're a lot more likely to meet someone who loves hiking on a hiking trail than in a bar, right? And to add to the last question, how can I really love myself and experience genuine fulfillment with myself without someone outside meeting my needs? What role, if any, does my deity, divinity in general play in this? So uh, judging by this question, I know that you haven't done lesson seven yet, point six. But that's why when we do sex magic, we spend all of this time getting to know the deity and then we really bring it in and then we start to merge the worlds to where we're not just seeing ourself and our life, but we're seeing ourself as the deity and their world and our world start to get closer. And remember, all magic happens in the mind, but woo, you start seeing some wild shit. So, but that's the role that that plays in it and how you genuinely love yourself is you see some you you don't see yourself as yourself anymore you see yourself as a deity you see yourself as the deity that's chosen you as a vessel to do their great work through and that's a really beautiful thing and it's something that unfolds for a lifetime you'll probably see four or five glimmers of this through this round of the of the autoerotic but it'll build and build and build as you go on in life and it's a taste like no other something else i really recommend if you're having a hard time loving yourself uh, something that can help you to see more of yourself than just what you see in the mirror are past life readings and all mediums are not created equal geez i was all excited to find the medium list from lilydale because i was like oh man if it's a town of all mediums and in order to live there you have to pass these like psychic tests i was like any medium from lilydale is going to be amazing bro this was the fucking worst medium reading I'd ever had. This lady was way off, like, I mean, out in the fucking boonies. And I should have, if I had better boundaries, I would have just been like, honey, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about here. Like, this is the worst medium reading I've ever been on. But I didn't want to do that to someone else's like spiritual gift. So I just sat and let her fucking come all over me, basically, uh, talking on and on about all of these things, people she was seeing around me that she, you know, she's like, your grandmother is here. She was a very full figured woman that was confined to a wheelchair. I said, uh, no, <laughs> not at all. She's like, I see this man, like literally like the most vague prompts ever getting things outright wrong and then just like turning it around. She's like, I see this beautiful man. He's about 30. He died from a lung issue. I said, no, nah, he died from a heroin overdose. She's like, yes, a heroin overdose. He's got beautiful dark hair and beautiful blue eyes. I said, yeah, he had brown eyes. Yes, he has brown eyes. Like shit like that. I was like, this is Bobo. Um, all mediums are definitely not created equal, but at a really, 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 really good past life reader who's only, she's under 200 bucks because she charges in, in, in Canadian dollars. Her name is, write, write this down, Erin, A-E-R-I-N, Fogel, F-O-G-E-L, Erin Fogel. And her readings, her core pattern readings, that's what you want, not relationship reading, core pattern reading 
will change your life. It's why I have the word wild tattooed on my neck and it's why I have the word gentleness tattooed on my forehead because in that core pattern reading with her, I learned that my soul was wild and I was always just trying to be like more disciplined. It changed my life. And then years after that, I, I knew when she told me that the answer for all things in my life, past, present, future was always gonna be gentleness. I knew that I wanted to put that on my forehead, but I, it took me some years to, to work up to doing this. And I actually got this wild tattoo. This is my first neck tattoo. I got it done in pink because I didn't want to commit to, you know, the, the dark yet, but I got it done over again in, in black pretty soon. And I got to say, like, I cried after I got my forehead tattooed because I had never really felt beautiful until I got this tattoo. And it's, I used to wear the crescent in another life, the crescent moon headdress. And so this forehead tattoo looks a lot like how that moon used to sit. So I love being able to have this all the time. If I didn't have this, I'd probably have a, a crescent moon on, on my head in some way, like a big one. So, all right, you guys, that's a wrap. The only other questions that I have to answer here are, oh, my poor girl. I didn't give her her timestamp, but she's the absolute last question on here. And so hopefully I can I can get her a timestamp on this. But I want to thank you all so much for sitting in on Q&A with me. We do this every single Friday. Usually I don't live stream it because I can be, I'll do it while I'm on the treadmill or something like that. But when I see all you guys, I just want to talk to you guys and I can really go off on a tangent and then I'm like done with my words. Um, so it's better for me if I'm more direct and, and just answering them one by one. But you can always listen to these archives on my podcast and we'll, we will be back for a new episode of the intuitor on tuesday so i love you guys so much thank you for being here with me and i will talk to you so soon love you 